There's a lot of buzz in the room. Y'all are all telling each other what you want for Christmas. Make sure they're getting it for you. I know. Good morning. Man, thanks for um, just allowing us to kind of take our time this morning with Advent and worship. Man, what not the presence of God good? Okay. Three of you. It's good. It is good. It's good. Good. It's good. All right, so this is week two. Uh, we're in, in the last Leon series. So I know that um, we've only had one Sunday, but it was two Sundays ago. So am I the only one, like when snow apocalypse happens, does it just mess with your whole sense of time? Like crazy. So it, it, was only two, it was only two Sundays ago that we were last together here, but it feels like forever. So I want to, um, I don't usually do a recap on week two because usually we know what we talked about. But I want to make sure everybody is on the same page. The last Leon, what is this all about, right? So the last Leon is the first Noel backwards, okay? Actually, just Leon is Noel backwards because if it was the first Noel backwards, it would be something like, I mean, first, it would be like Leon, learn it or throw it in the game. It would be weird. So, but we, the last Leon. So here's what that means. We're doing Christmas in reverse. Um, it's really good to know where you want to end up. Have you ever, I don't want to cause marital issues, but have you ever gone on a trip and one of you's like, get, we used to get maps out. You know what those are? Like they fold. Now you get your, your phone out. But so there's always somebody in the marriage that's like, put the destination in and hit go and then turn by turn directions. And then there's always somebody who's just like, just go, just go. And usually they want to just go faster. You know, and you can go super fast and end up in the wrong place if you have no idea where you're going, right? Although I know if you're the adventurous person, you're like, you're never in the wrong place if you don't know where you're going, right? You're just, you're just where you are. I got an amen over here, right? I feel like sometimes in our faith, we forget the destination. So we just kind of get busy doing stuff. Have you ever felt that? You just get busy doing stuff and you almost kind of stop and go like, wait a minute, where are we going again? And so the point of this this series this year is to kind of help us start with the destination in mind. Why? And that was what two weeks ago was all about. If you weren't here with us, I don't usually, like, tell you to go watch services online, but you need to go watch that service online because we had Teen Challenge here with us. Teen Challenge does an amazing job helping people overcome addiction. And so this entire platform was filled with Leon's. Because God came to find the last Leon. He came looking. And, he, and so this is the why. The why behind what Jesus came to do is us. The why has always been a who. Look at the person next to you. That who is a why. Right? That's why Jesus came. Jesus came to transform us. That's why he came. Never forget it. Never forget. If somebody says to you, why do we celebrate Christmas? You should be able to say, because Jesus came for me. That's why we celebrate Christmas. And he came for you. That's the good news. Now today, week two, we want to talk about what. So we know why he came. He came for the who, right? But now what did he come to? What did Jesus come to this earth? What was he coming to? And the answer is so simple. He was coming to the cross. It's kind of a downer, isn't it? David, was, he mentioned this when he was lighting the candle and praying. Hey, Jesus came to die. He came to this earth to die. So this morning, we're going to talk about that. Here's, I'm going to give you a big idea, and then we're going to pick it apart. Okay, here it is. Jesus came to the cross 
and we point to the cross. That's, that's what I want you to get out of week two of the last Leon. This is what Jesus came to. He came to the cross. And this is what we do. We point to the cross. Okay? Now, let's just, we'll start with the first statement. We'll pick that apart. So um, let's deep dive into that. Jesus came to the cross. A lot of scripture reading. You can go ahead and uh, find Mark chapter 10 and then put your finger there or bookmark it on your device and then go to Luke chapter 2. Uh, I just want to show you, if we're working our way backwards through Jesus' life, can I just say that Jesus knew all the way through his life that that was what he came to. Um, how many of you remember middle school and then high school? I mean, middle school was kind of awesome, wasn't it? Because you didn't have to have a clue what you were doing. And then um, you go to high school and you start to feel this pressure, like I think I'm supposed to have an answer for what I'm supposed to do with my life. And then you go to college and whatever answer you thought you had in high school, you no longer have. It's crazy. I just read an article about a college who is kicking out one of their students. They, they looked at their student and said, you are done here because he's 30 years old. He got interviewed and they were like, they're like, why are you still in college? I just like it. I like not having any responsibility. I like just going to class if I want, if I want to. And they, I mean, he's paying them money to do it. And they finally said, no more. Like, you are here three, three times longer than you're supposed to. Get out. I think sometimes we, we don't even know what the purpose of our own life is. I want you to know that Jesus didn't struggle like that. I'm going to show it to you right here, okay? We're going to work. If we're working backwards, so we're, it's kind of weird to get this in your, in your thoughts. Like last week we talked about the why, and so today we're talking about the what. And I want to show you as an adult that Jesus knew what he came to do. Mark chapter 10, verse 45 says this, For even, he said it, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. So as an adult, if you'd have said to adult Jesus, what are you here for? He would have said, I'm here to give my life as a ransom for many. And if you said, how are you going to do that? He would have said the cross. Okay? Now let's step back. Let's, let's find Jesus in Luke chapter 2, 12 years old. Here we go. Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 50. I'm reading it all. It will be on the screen for you. It says this. Every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. And when Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first. Do I have any parents here of 12-year-olds? And you're like, amen, brother. I wouldn't miss him either, right? You're just like, why is it so quiet? I don't know. Don't investigate. It's just quiet. Y'all are funny, man. You're like, you can't talk about my Jesus like that. Oh, yes, I can. He was 12 years old, right? His parents were probably really happy. His parents didn't miss him at first, verse 44, because they assumed he was among the other travelers. They would travel in these big groups. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. I just, I get cracked up every time I read this story. Like, they didn't look for him right away. It's like, eh, we'll check into it tonight. It's Jesus, y'all. Jesus. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. He's how old here? Twelve. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Just throwing it out here, when's the last time you listened to a 12-year-old speak? I don't mean anything disrespectful to 12-year-olds. When's the last time as an adult you heard a 12-year-old speak and you could say that that verse described you, that you were amazed at their understanding and their answers? Something different about Jesus. 
His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic. He's like, he knows everything. <laughs> He's like, really? You didn't look for me till the evening. It's three days later, y'all. All right. Okay. I'm having a little bit of fun with the word of God. I'm sorry. Are y'all okay with that? Anyway, it might not have been how it went down, but I had 12-year-olds. So why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. And he said, but why did you need to search? Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. The point here is, at 12 years old, Jesus knew what he came to do. Jesus was able to look at his earthly mom and earthly dad and say, um, I love you, but he's my father. And I came to do something at 12 years old. Now, if we skip back to the beginning of Luke chapter 12, we're going to see Jesus as a newborn baby. So I don't know how much newborn babies remember, but at least this is a picture into what he came to do. And, and again, if you want to work backwards, you can do the last Leon series all by yourself just reading Luke chapter 2 backwards. You got, you got him as a grown man growing in favor with men. You have him as a 12-year-old in the temple um, because he's got to be in his father's house. And then you have him at 40 days old being dedicated. We're going to read that story. And then you have him being born. So it's fantastic. Anyway, it was a bonus. All right, so Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 38. Here's what it says. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon, and he was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him, this is important, that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. Just throwing it out there. God likes to get people to come to the temple. His Spirit wants you here. For a reason. So that day the Spirit led him into the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. And he took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, I know all y'all parents are like, oh, he just grabbed Jesus. Stranger danger, right? It's all good. And here's what he said. Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. What was he told he would see? The Messiah. Right? I have seen your salvation, which you, which you prepared for all people. He's a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about them, about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, and many will oppose him. As a result... The deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. I'm not sure they were really happy about going to church that day, right? Holy cow. So that just happened. So what are they thinking? Uh, something's up with my son. I think Mary already had a clue because if you're stepped backwards again to the night that he was born, like shepherds are showing up, and then like it's crazy. Like It's obvious this is not just a normal child. Even as a baby, Jesus came to the cross. And if that wasn't enough, right? Like if that, I'm just getting parents, if that happened as you walked into our doors, if somebody grabbed your newborn, your 40 day old child, and said something like that, you'd be going, <laughs> what is going on right now? 
And as they're trying to wrap their brain around that, Anna, verse 36, a prophet, was also in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher. This was in the days when they gave people weird names. And she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. And then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph. And she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. The point, <clears throat> the point is that Jesus came to the cross. We know why he came, right? He came for me and he came for you. What did he come to? He came to the cross. The cross is what transforms us. Jesus is the greatest gift ever given. We don't talk enough about the fact that he was given in order to die for us. So Jesus came to the cross. We can't forget it. We cannot forget that Jesus came to the cross. The what behind Christmas is the cross. We cannot afford to forget that. Everybody on the count of three say, why not? One, two, three. I have no idea. I'm just messing with you. I got a second point. It's the second point, right? If we forget what Jesus came to, then we'll forget what to point to. Jesus came to the cross, and we point to the cross. This is the whole what of our lives. We point to the cross. The cross is the point because the cross transforms us in two very important ways. I want you to take your device or take your Bible and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let me just show you two ways that the cross changes us, and then we'll wrap this up. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. This is one way that the, the cross changes us. What verse 16 says is, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we even thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. And so we kind of have to stop, and you read that verse, and y'all you know context is king, right? It's like in real estate, it's location, location. Really? Y'all don't buy and sell property? I thought oh, I'd get, like a, get a big one there. So in the Bible, it's context, context, context. you got to always ask, like, what came before, what's coming after? Like, there's, that's a great verse, but we can't just pull it out. Like, what is going on in 2 Corinthians chapter 5? And the verses right before this are talking about the cross. It's talking about Jesus' death on the cross and how he's redeemed us. And then we're going to move from this into talking about reconciliation. And it's all about the cross. And so what Paul's saying here is when you see the word so, so we have stopped evaluating. What is so? It just points back to those previous verses about Christ's death on the cross. And he says we no longer evaluate others from a human point of view. So there is something about the cross that changes the way that we see people. That's the first way it changes us. See, it's not enough for us just to tell people what we believe. Oh, I, I believe that Jesus came to the cross. Great. Why? How does that even change us? Well, the cross changes the way I see people. It changes the way that you see people. We no longer regard them from a worldly point of view. We see them as something that God desires. Let me ask you this question. When's the last time you saw people as the ones that Jesus died for? It's a famous evangelist, and he used to say this. That what motivated him was he had, God began to show him, like every time he would walk anywhere, like it, let's just say he walked into Walmart, and he would see a bunch of people, and he would see all of them as if they were on fire. 
He saw all of them as souls that needed to be saved. And the cross changes that for us. The cross allows us to see people differently. So, you know, obviously there are people that can get on our nerves, right? They're crazy and they can, they can just rub us the wrong way. But he came for those people, just like he came for us, which is good news because we rubbed them the wrong way, right? It changes the way that we see people. And here's the second way that it changes. It changes how we serve people. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 20 through 21, Paul writes this. Because of the cross, he says, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. The point of our lives becomes pointing to the cross. We're Christ's ambassadors. The next phrase blows my mind. As if God is making his appeal through us. What was his appeal? Jesus, right? Like, he sent Jesus for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Like, today is the big give, right? He gave Jesus to make an appeal, and his appeal to the world was, come back to me. And I know you can't. I know that you're jacked up and you want to come back if you want to come back and you can't get back. So what I'm going to do is I'm sending my son and I'm going to make a way for you to come back to me. That's his appeal to mankind. And what we do a lot of times in church is we go, Jesus was the best at it, wasn't he? He came. Like he did such a good job that we're going we're gonna to write Easter plays about it and we're going to write special music about it and we're going to sing all about what Jesus did. He was so good. The best ever. Golf clap for Jesus, Right? But then God says, time out. You are my ambassadors. I'm making my appeal to the world through you. I want the cross to change how you see people. Yes, they're on fire. They need Jesus. But then I want it to change how you serve them. And what we do for people is how we point them to the cross. We serve and we serve and we serve. Because that's what Jesus did on the cross. I'm going to give you proof in Scripture, and then we're going to wrap this up. Band can make their way to the platform. I always wanted to do that. That was fun. Can I do it again? As the band makes their way to the platform. 1 John 3.16. I love when God makes things clear, don't you? I mean, y'all are smarter than I am. Sometimes I read the Bible, I'm like, what's that mean? But I love it when I read a verse, and it's like, oh, well, that's right out there. 1 John 3.16, here's what it says. We know what real love is. Not we guess, not we hope. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So that's the whole Jesus came to the cross. Y'all see that, right? Do you see that? Yes, Jesus came to the cross because Jesus gave up his life for us. But what's the second part say? So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. He came to the cross we point to the cross. And the way that we point to the cross, y'all already know this, is not like this. You are a bad person, and you better get yourself over there before you go to hell. I mean, all that's true. We're all bad, and we all need Jesus. And if we don't have Jesus, we're all going to go to hell. But Jesus didn't even come to the world doing that. He came and laid his life down as a ransom for many to serve us and show us the love of the Father. 
And so the way that we point people to, to the cross is we serve. That person that rubs you the wrong way, that you like my dance move, I don't, what was that? I don't even know what that was. He shimmies wrong. I don't know what happened there. They rub us the wrong way. Like, what if you served them? What if you spent time with your Savior and he poured his love into you and then you poured it out onto them? It would change them. The cross changes us. So this morning, you know, here's the thing. We call you to serve because Jesus came to die. We didn't pay the power bill in the last half of the building. I'm sorry. The lights just went out. I'm just messing with you. They're getting ready. So this morning, as we wrap up, the team's going to sing a new song. And you're going to have heard it maybe. Um, the words are going to be on the side. But what we want to do is I don't want you to sit there and hear a song. I want you to participate in what's going on on the platform. And so this is the time that we're going to do the Big Give offering. Because our God gave big to us. And this morning I'm praying that he gives big through us. It's not enough for us just to applaud Jesus for what he did. We have to take an active part in serving the people that he wants to reach. And this morning your active part is, is an offering. So as they sing, and these lights are going to go dim a little bit, um, reflect on the words. And then when you're ready, just bring your offering, your big give offering, and just just. There's offering envelopes in the chairs in front of you, and just lay it on the on the altar. And then when they're finished, I'll come back up and, and we'll close out in prayer. We point people to the cross through the way that we serve them. And when you give this morning, your giving is going to allow us to serve some people that may never show up in church, but they need Jesus. So you come when you're ready.